Well, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we, we ought to do that we may obey your word you give us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As Harvey reminded us, we are still continuing our sermon series in the gospel according to Mark, and today we're jumping over to chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. This is a familiar story for many of us. Let us hear the word of the Lord. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had, that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was the darkest, stormiest, and scariest afternoon I have ever witnessed, said Pecos Hank, a famous storm chaser who resides with his family in Houston, Texas. Since 1950, there have been 59 F5 and EF5 tornadoes in the United States. And seven of those tornadoes have struck the state of Oklahoma. Number 58, the El Reno-Piedmont, Oklahoma EF5 tornado touched down near 
Hinton, Oklahoma, on May the 24th, 2011, and rapidly became a wedge tornado estimated at three-quarter to one mile wide. Winds inside this tornado were estimated over 210 miles an hour. The tornado traveled over 65 miles in about 90 minutes, scaring and tormenting people to death. Wind speeds were powerful enough, listen to this, to toss an oil tanker truck an entire mile. Homes were completely obliterated off their foundation, and nine people lost their lives, including three, victim, three victims whose vehicles were struck on I-40. According to Pecos Hank, one vehicle was thrown 780 yards, that's almost eight football fields, had its frame torn from its body and literally wrapped around a tree. The passengers were found a quarter of a mile away, stripped of their clothing, and were left unrecognizable. It's a similar chiller that we have in Mark chapter 5. Keeping with the timeline of Mark chapter 4, it must be late evening. It's getting dark. Jesus and the disciples had finally reached the other side of the sea. Prior to their arrival, Jesus and the disciples completed many fruitful acts of ministry throughout all of Galilee, where Jesus demonstrated his, his power and his authority. For instance, Jesus preached in the synagogue, healed many people who were sick, called and called the first disciples. As a result, a great multitude of people began to follow him with many needs in order just to get near him and to touch him. Jesus was getting very tired, but Jesus was prepared. He told his disciples to have a boat ready to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, do you remember that storm they encountered on the Sea of Galilee? Joe's going to talk more about this storm next week, where Jesus taught his disciples about his authority that he has over the winds and the sea. No longer were the disciples afraid of the weather. In that situation, they were afraid of Jesus. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples must have breathed a sigh of re relief when they finally found a place to dock. Yet it looks like they jumped from the frying pan into the fire. They ended up on an eerie-looking seaside spot where there were many caves in the limestone rock. These caves were used as tombs in which corpses were laid. At the best of times, it was a dark, scary, spooky place. But now, in the invading darkness, the moonlight reflecting off the limestone, it was enough to send some chills up and down your spine. And no sooner than when Jesus himself climbed out of the boat, down from the tombs on this dark hillside ran a shrieking, wild-eyed man with an unclean spirit. Chains were hanging from his wrists and ankles. There were cuts and bruises all over his body, and he was naked from head to toe, exposing a, a wickedly powerful, violently muscular body. 
If we were movie producers casting a scary Hollywood thriller bearing the title Possessed, here in this person running down the hill screaming at Jesus and the disciples, here is the kind of demonic star we would all look for for top billing. Scripture tells us that many people have been possessed by unclean spirits in the Bible. For example, in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, we learn that Jesus cast out seven demons in Mary Magdalene, who must have suffered terribly until Jesus healed her. And in Matthew 12, uh, verse 22, we read about a deacon-possessed man who, as a result, was blind and mute. But in our scripture lesson for Mark, we find a chilling, scary situation beyond our understanding, a shrieking, wild-eyed man with an unclean spirit of demons. And just as it looked as if this shrieking, possessed person was going to hurt Jesus, the Bible tells us he falls on his knees in front of our Lord. Who needs to read Stephen King with these kinds of stories in the Bible? This is frightening, adventuresome stuff. Who is this possessed, disturbed person who is at the knees of the feet of our Lord, and how in the world did he get into this condition? Where in the world did he come from? Mark doesn't tell us, but for years I've been fascinated with the speculation of Clarence Jordan, the New Testament Ph.D. scholar, translator of the Cotton Patch Version of the New Testament. Jordan, as many of you know, was or began the marvelous work of Koinonia Farms in Americus, Georgia, a forerunner of Habitat for Humanity. Jordan suggested that maybe, just maybe, this possessed person was the younger of the two sons who asked his father for the share of his inheritance. His inheritance in hand, this young man went to a far country, perhaps the land of the Gerasenes, and there spent his fortune on loose living. He ran out of money, and soon he ran out of friends too. So down and out and desperate that this young man found a job herding pigs, which for a Jew was not the least bit kosher, pigs being ritually unclean. The Bible tells us that this young man was treated so badly that he longed to fill his stomach with the slop that they fed the pigs. Could it be that one day, fed up with this kind of ill treatment, this young man kicked over the old slop bucket, tore off his clothes, and ran up the hills to live? Strange behavior? Well, perhaps. It's antisocial behavior that is rebellious and symbolic of the young man's disgust of a society that's treated people so inhumanely. If this world says this, this young man decided to do the complete opposite. Mark doesn't tell us who this man is or where he came from or how he arrived in this condition, but what Mark does tell us is how the unclean spirits affected him. Now, Think about it for a moment. It's pretty frightening to have, for the townspeople of Gadara, to have such a guy running around the hillsides like this. The townspeople repeatedly tried to capture this possessed young man and did chaining him up, but with his maniacal strength, he broke loose again and again from the chains and ran free down the hills. 
Clarence Jordan's caustic comment is that this is the way society often acts toward people who are down and out. No change, just chains. Then there is this odd reference in Mark's gospel to this possessed individual cutting himself with stones, resulting all these cuts and bruises all over his body might represent a self-destructive tendency or perhaps a kind of cultic circumcision. Who knows? Bottom line, this wretched man was possessed by unclean spirits and was utterly helpless and hopeless. How would you react if you saw this crazy, possessed man overwhelmed with this dark, scary storm of unclean spirits, completely wrecking his life and screaming at the top of his lungs. Would you be afraid? Yes, I think you would. Of course you would. No one wanted anything to do with this young man. No one showed compassion for him or loved this man or tried to help him with his condition. He was left all alone in this world, utterly helpless, and hopeless. But our Lord Jesus loved this man. In fact, our Lord Jesus chose to come all the way across to the other side of the sea just for this broken man and show him his love and mercy and free him from these unclean spirits. So here is this young man on his knees in front of Jesus shouting at the top of his, of his voice because the unclean spirits constantly torment him. Jesus, Son of the Most High God, have you come here to torment me? This seems a peculiar kind of comment from someone he calls and recognizes to be the Son of the Most High God. The man was saying these words because Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus says to this young man in verse 9, What is your name? And he answered, My name is Legion, because there's a whole lot of us. Is this possessed young man referring to the Roman legions, which numbered four to 6,000 fierce, frightening soldiers? Is this young man saying to Jesus that he's possessed by thousands of demons? Or perhaps he's saying that there are thousands of nameless ones just like him in the world. Out there and no one really cares. Does he say to Jesus, look Jesus, I don't have a name, just a number. My name is Legion, he said to Jesus, and then did this possessed young man glance over to the hillside and declare, why we are not as valuable as those pigs over there. Then a most unusual and dramatic thing happened. Jesus allowed those destructive demons who possessed this young man to enter those pigs, and the demons quickly became as destructive to the pigs as they did this young man, and the pigs rushed over the cliff, and drowned in the sea below. Now, let's stop for a moment. It's important to notice something that's going on here in this story, something very important. The Lord Jesus has complete power and authority over the spiritual world. 
Not only do the unclean spirits know who Jesus is, they are afraid of him, they're afraid of his power and his authority, but they must obey him nevertheless. And in this situation, they did. Was the exorcism of these demons a graphic demonstration of the importance in the eyes of God of one miserable wreck of a human being over a whole herd of pigs? Did this say something important to this young man of his worth and value in the eyes of Almighty God? It was a remarkable healing. An unbelievable miracle had happened before all their eyes, but now came the response to Jesus' miracle. The townspeople of Gadara came out to see what had happened at the behest of the herdsmen. And there they discovered that this young man was no longer insane, but sane. Something amazing must have occurred, for the Bible says that he was sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. What a contrast to the screaming naked maniac of only minutes before. And the Bible says something startling about the town people's reaction. They were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because, for one, they received the bill from the great physician. And now we find another demon that's not so easily cast out. It's the demon of possession that possessed these people. All well and good that Jesus healed this young man, they thought to themselves, but we lost a whole herd of pigs in the bargain. What if Jesus heals another person tomorrow and another the next day? Then what's going to happen? Who is now possessed? Jesus valued one miserable wreck of a man. He loved this man with all his heart over 2,000 pigs or thereabouts. How about you and me? Well, as Joe reminded us, this is July the 4th, Independence Day. And on this July the 4th, how can we be more free living in these United States of America? In terms of convenience, people have never experienced such freedom. To our age has been given the freedom of jet planes, wash and wear, minute rice, cell phones, texting, email, drones... Apps, automatic windows, yes, automatic doors, the artificial lung and heart, the electric knife, the electric pencil sharpener, yes, the electric eye and chair, instant soup, photographs, copies, calculations, self-starters, self-service, the freedom from smallpox, polio, the freedom to worry about freedom itself, the freedom to fret about leisure time. But somehow, we sense the emptiness in all these freedoms. Something is missing. People need to be free from themselves and the tyranny of their own sinful natures. The Apostle Paul reminds us in his letter to the Galatians that real freedom is the freedom to love God and to love others. For you were called to freedom. 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. Mistakenly, I think we believe that freedom is a freedom from. A freedom from restrictions and constraints. Instead, freedom, the real thing, Christ's kind of freedom, is a freedom to. A freedom to do and to be. Real freedom begins when we trust Christ's power of grace and his kingdom authority and allow his Holy Spirit to enter into the dark storms, the tornadoes of our lives created by the tyranny of sin and transform our hearts, heal us, and set us free to live, to love, and to serve as his faithful disciples. In a moment we will remember and we will celebrate at the Lord's table that the Lord left his throne in heaven and traveled all the way to this world to be born for us, a little vulnerable baby, who eventually grew up to preach about the kingdom of heaven and to perform miracles, but he didn't stop there. Christ demonstrated the power of God's grace and authority and love on the cross. Christ went all the way to the cross to be nailed to the cross and defeat the power of sin and death and then rise from the grave and give us all hope and eternal life. We can be assured that nothing can stop the power of his grace, his authority, his love to set us free from the tyranny of our sin and never leave us alone or even where we're at so that we can be transformed to love him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, to love one another and to love this great city we all live in. Jesus and his disciples were asked to leave by the townspeople who were in actuality themselves possessed. The young man who was now delivered then asked to come with Jesus. Could he be one of the disciples' band? Jesus did not let him. Instead, he said, go home to your family. Go home to your father. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And that's what he did. This young man goes home, and can we not see his father seeing him from afar, running down the road to greet him? Bring the the best robe, said his father. Put a ring on his hand, Shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and make merry, for this son of mine was dead. And now he is alive again. He was lost. And now he is found. Let us pray. Oh, God of grace, not only do you wait and watch for us to return home, but you send your son Jesus to the extremities of our lives, to the places where we are the farthest from you. You send him that far to rescue us and restore us and send us on the journey home. Lord, as we come to your table, may we never forget your concern for legion, for the thousands, the millions who have no name known by us, but who need our help 
our concern, our care, our prayers, and most of all, your love. We pray this in the strong and saving name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.